0: what's up guys welcome to the first ever episode of blue river bow hunting podcast uh got my co-host with me alan tonight how's it going guys we're gonna have a a mixed bag on co-hosts um, alan's gonna do some ryan's gonna do some i'm gonna do some solo sometimes but we'll work some people in that get to hunt with us on a regular basis but uh first i just want to talk about what our podcast is really gonna be you know we're gonna have some pretty cool people on talking deer hunting bow hunting might even dip in waterfowl a little bit and just anything outdoors and uh you know it's we're regular guys we're not trying to be nothing special we're on here having bush lights and talking about shooting poping and young bucks with a bow you know so uh we'll have fun with it but uh i want to introduce our first ever guest on tonight with uh jordan lane from the great state of wisconsin how's it going buddy
1: very good thanks for having me
0: yeah, no problem man uh me and Jordan actually met on social media, what, two years ago?
1: That sounds about right. You know, yep.
0: we, we talk uh, kind of regularly when we're out deer hunting. We'll text a little bit, see how each other's going. And When I got to go up to Wisconsin last year, he didn't live too far from we were hunting at the same time. And it was just kind of cool to go back and forth with him a little bit. But I bet you're ready for deer season, ain't you?
1: Ed, yeah, I mean, every day. It's uh, I mean, that sun sets on that last day of the season. You get a little sad. You kind of just kind of get a little depressed, and like, man, it's you know, got to wait like nine months until the season starts again. But I'm sure, as you know, a season never really stops. So, and then all the prep work begins, and and uh, here in Wisconsin, we start in just over a month. So, yeah, I'm getting antsy for what's sure. It,
0: what's the actual date on that when you guys open up? I think it's September 17th,
1: a Saturday. So, That's
0: awesome! You get to start start uh, that early we don't get to hunt here in indiana until october 1st
1: oh okay yeah it's always been about middle of september for for us here in wisconsin and uh i don't usually do a whole lot of early season uh, especially that early because it's usually warm and then you're dealing with bugs and they're not moving very much and you shoot one and it's 80 degrees and you got to hurry up and get it dressed and in a cool spot and so but the last three years on opening day there's been a buck walked by one of my stands and I don't think I can go opening day this year either because I'm in a wedding that day so uh, I'm pretty sure one will walk right by the stand just like normal but and I'll just be sad but <laughs> it's all you could do
2: <laughs> so you said you're not a fan of early season or you typically don't um, when is your favorite time of the season do You have your favorite day or anything like that I mean
1: it's cliche but the rut I mean, it's just so much fun because it, there's just there's a constant activity all day long. It's not just, uh, you know, going in the morning for a couple hours or go after work in the evening a couple hours. I just – I pack a bag and I sit all day, and uh, it's awesome. You know, I'm blessed to be in an area that has a lot of deer. So I'm seeing deer kind of, you know, all day long pretty much. Bucks of all age, size, everything like that. Watch them do their thing, chasing the does and everything. The weather is usually pretty good, although as Brett can attest to, last year during the rut was not. <laughs> no, that's uh, the that very that very coldest I've
0: ever been bow hunting in my life.
1: Yeah, it was very <laughs> December-like for the end of October, early November. Um, but that's what it is. Um, you know any chance to get in the stand is awesome. So I mean, it's just once the leaves start to fall and you can kind of see everything a little bit better, and it's not you're not sweating getting to your stand or coming out and you just kind of that's when my favorite is is
0: just do you have a a certain day though that's just like i have to go hunting this day this is my day i've had luck on this day or anything like that
1: uh well for sure on my that buck behind me i shot on november 8th so granted i got to be out there on that day now that's kind of getting towards a little bit of the tail end of the rut here so i usually start Um, I'd take a, I guess I call it a rutcation, take two weeks off from work and I sit in the stand all day, every day for two weeks. I don't care what the weather is. It's kind of, it's a vacation too. It's, it's just my time to, to, uh, you know, recharge your batteries, whatever. And most people that don't hunt, they don't understand how you can sit in a tree all day long. It's like, it's really not that hard to me. Once you're out
2: there, it's peaceful.
1: Oh, it's awesome. Exactly. But it will wear you (laughs) out. yeah exactly so well yeah i mean november 8th um november 4th which happens to be my wedding anniversary so i always go out (laughs) on that day (laughs) but uh that was kind of the deal with the wife before i agreed to that date is you know bow hunting is always going to be happening that day uh hopefully and but then she always tells me well if you're any good at hunting you'll have one killed before then so i mean it's pretty hard to argue with her on that but I just don't shoot anything, obviously. So um, when she sees Trail Cam pics, she's like, "Why didn't you shoot that one?" I'm like, "Cause there's like three that are way bigger than him." <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, for some
0: so. reason, I have my favorite days. There's I actually have two. Halloween the evening. I don't know why. I've had incredible luck on the evening of Halloween and November fifth. November fifth is always a date that
2: sticks out. Sure. Yeah, it's a sad day for me. Yeah, it's but... a sad
0: day for him because. Me and him were the ones that initially got kind of obsessed with trying to film these big deer. And um, we didn't have the greatest equipment back then. And we had a little Sony handy can with a tree, a little tree arm that wasn't that great. And it creaked when you moved it and stuff. You know? <laughs> and uh, we're sitting there and it's, we probably got... I don't know, 45 minutes left at daylight, and he taps me on my leg, and we look over, and this this bruiser is running down the fence row, probably 400 yards, and I'm like, he's going to jump the fence. We're not going to see him ever again. All of a sudden, he turns, and he walks to us, and it takes him about 20 minutes to walk to us, and he's ripping every tree he sees in sight, starts just running around like crazy. All of a sudden, two does hop the fence. We're like, where did these does come from? He hops the fence. We think he's gone forever, but when he hopped the fence, there's kind of like a little hill crest of a hill he was going up into to go back down into this bottom and uh we hit the uh the grunt tube and he turned his head all we seen was his tail disappearing into the the thicket and we're like oh man are you kidding me next thing i know i hear something and he is at 15 yards behind us we weren't even paying attention he had circled all the way downwind of us and he was at 15 yards and he he shot him and i still believe that the deer died but not 20 minutes after he shot it just poured rain when i say poured oh. rain it was like a monsoon
2: and, and we, we never and we, we never find that deer
1: oh man that sucks yeah. that, it was the, my
2: biggest buck too
1: oh uh, yeah. i you know to piggyback on the halloween that actually uh kind of was really that night five years ago actually six years ago now this year was really what really got me super into bow hunting because most of my life, I've just been strictly a gun hunter. I've always had an interest in bow hunting, but where I hunted at was public land about an hour away. Never saw a lot of big bucks or nothing. So for me, it was like kind of hard to get into it. And then fortunately, I met my wife and, uh, she has, her family has, you know, 250 ish acres in Pepin County, Wisconsin farmland. And, uh, it is just amazing. So one, I, I thought I asked permission to bow hunt, and he's like, sure, as no one else really does on the land. And uh, I went out one night. I basically didn't have a tree stand at all. I climbed up a tree and stood on a giant oak branch. I mean, we're talking like two feet around, so I could stand on it, and I'm standing up the whole time. And I'm looking out into this field, and there's just bucks chasing those everywhere, huge bucks, and there's a little buck that came in right underneath my tree. I had some, I tried some of that dopey scent, some random stuff I got. Never tried it before. I must've got some on my boot or something while I was climbing. Cause he was right underneath my tree and he was sniffing. He was just going nuts over it. And I was, I just never forget that night. Cause it was just, you know, in the evening and I looked out in that field and there's just deer everywhere, just running around grunting, chasing. I was just, I was hooked from that moment. So uh so yeah, I can attest to Halloween. I mean that is I mean, a kind of a given, I guess, is Halloween. Right. Be I the think deer. I
0: rattled my first deer in on Halloween like I don't know, ten plus years ago. But it was actually behind um uh, my wife's parents' house. They have a little sliver of land that butts up to Blue River and I just took a climber back there mess, messing around one day after work, didn't have a whole lot of time and thought I'd hit the rattle bag one time and I called this little six pointer and he come running across the river, jumping across. And he didn't know what was going to, he was ready to fight and he was going to get his ass for sure because <laughs> he wasn't very big. Yeah, <laughs> But, uh, you know, you talk about Wisconsin a little bit. Um, it just seems like the deer culture up there is just so much different than the rest of the country. I feel like, I, I don't know, I'm not from there, but when I went up there, it was just like, I don't know, everybody was into it. It was like, it's, just part of it up there
1: uh yeah i mean you're spot on especially gun season uh we get over a half million people hunt gun hunt in wisconsin um, and there's what five and a half million in the whole state so <laughs> you wow. think wow. how many people go hunting so they call it the orange army which i'm sure a lot of places call it oh, the yeah. same thing yeah we call
0: well, it there's a
1: lot name. of places people that have like cabins and deer camps a big thing You know, everybody, you can say a lot, for a lot of people, it's the only time of year that they see each other. So they bring tons of beer, of course, and that's the time they never even get out in their stand in the morning because they're drinking and playing cards and all that stuff too late at night. Um, So I want, and there's a lot of people that take it super seriously too. So, but yeah, it is a, definitely a culture here. Um, The bush light cans, they put the orange bush light cans for us um i'm pretty sure i don't know if you guys get them down there but we get the blaze we have got
0: some uh the regular bushlight tonight yeah well i got a couple corn i got the corn, cans got the there, corn
1: right. cans <laughs> but uh we get the blaze orange cans too uh it's been a while know. since we got those
0: we had like yeah. a they had like a gold can in the box or something and you could win a hunting trip somewhere. Or yeah.
1: Something. Yeah. Never
0: found one of those, but actually my dad did. And when you, when you win it, you're just put into a drawing with probably everybody else that finds one of those gold cans. But we found, mm-hmm. he found one, one night out in the garage drinking. I was like, Oh my God, dude, you're going on a hunting trip. You know, yeah, right? we thought he actually would, you know,
1: yeah. it was the golden ticket. Like a golden ticket. Willy golden, Wonka. Yeah. A little Willy Wonka action.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. No, but, it's yeah it's huge here it's uh a huge economic driver too um, i mean a lot of businesses especially in the northern half of the state rely on it really that's like their biggest week of the year yeah
0: when i when i came up to uh buffalo county i went to a, a local bar to have a, a lunch one day watching the packers game before my hunt started the next day and everybody kind of they knew that i wasn't a regular in there they knew that i was there for hunting they're
1: like you in you in
0: bow hunt the rest of the week i'm like Actually I am. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. How'd you know that?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you can probably tell from your accent too, because you know, probably. most of us have that very Canadian type accent. So, uh, yeah, you, you kind of stick out a little bit, but yeah, no bow hunting's a little, it's kind of gotten crazy here, uh, lately. You know, obviously Buffalo County is pretty much one of the top spots in the world for bow hunting, uh, or just really big bucks in general. Um, you know, it's, there's a lot of other places that are kind of starting to become well-known too, but, you know, Buffalo County, Wisconsin is synonymous for, you know, boon and Crockett bucks. So that's exactly uh, why I picked it. <laughs> yeah. And you saw what it is. Oh, and, absolutely. And, and I
0: mean, here is like, I, I wanted to talk about this a little bit comparing Indiana and Wisconsin, but you know, here we got, it's mostly flat. You're going to have some ravines and stuff, but oh, yeah. most of the stuff we're hunting is just you know, a patch of woods here, a patch of woods there, you know, a a fence row in between a set of woods or something like that. And my first morning with the sun coming up with Wisconsin, I was blown away because I felt like I was in the mountains, but I I mean, you just got those bluffs that come off the Mississippi there. And it is, it's, you have to see it for yourself. You can't even hardly explain it.
1: Yeah. That's uh, where I hunt that in Pepin County, which is basically the county next to Buffalo County. Uh, it's the same thing you know bluffs and hills and it's just yeah it's something else it it that's probably part of the reason too why I'm, I'm now obsessed with bow hunting so <laughs>
0: I, I, I couldn't imagine uh, having to pull a deer up out of one of those one of those bluffs uh, those things get rough oh,
1: it's man. it's awful um, i'll tell you that firsthand um during gun season which is usually the only time i shoot those um, i sit on a basically a hillside and i usually shoot down and I tell my in-laws, I'm like, I ain't shooting a doe down there. I ain't dragging a doe out, Not man. even worth, it's the thing worth it. Worth it's about a two hundred
0: yeah. inch white tail out of there. Yeah, the
1: buck I shot last year, he I I shot him down there, and I didn't care to drag him up. That was that's worth it there. Um, you know, two years ago, there my father-in-law, his one of his best friends hunts. I'm I was telling you him about him a little bit the other night, but he's seventy-seven years old, still bow hunts with the vertical bow climbs tree stands like nobody's business but he shot a real nice 12 pointer on the land and i helped drag him out and that thing was 225 pounds field dress but wow. we 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 drug him up the hill before we field dress him because he didn't want to field dress it because he didn't want to ruin anything for me <laughs> and now uh, we literally had to get a four-wheeler with like it made like some pulley system to get it up some of these spots because there was three of us and it was just too hard because it's too steep in some spots. But yeah, but bluff country, man, the, just somehow it just creates giant bucks. So that,
0: uh, that the buck that I killed in Wisconsin uh, last year, I was actually eating my uh, sandwich that I packed up for my lunch for the day, and I just happened to look down in into the bottom, and they say w- once the sun starts hitting that bottom, a lot of the deer will move up yep i don't I, i've i never hunted that that's just what they were telling me so i was kind of trying to pay attention down there it was a, a long ways down there and <laughs> i saw my buck and i actually hit a grunt tube a couple of times and he turned and it took him 45 minutes to get up that bluff oh and yeah he was right up on top of me and uh, about 45 50 yards and i decided that i wasn't going to shoot that far and he went into a thicket and right there about an hour left of daylight he come roaming right back out of the thicket and walked right past me
2: yep no
0: but that bluff stuff is crazy i mean yeah the guy said if if i my deer would have made it down any further it'd have taken us about eight hours to get it out oh i believe it
1: i believe it yeah it's uh it makes uh scouting kind of tough during the off season especially in the in the summer months you don't want to die from uh sweating so bad or the mosquito hydration or whatever but i don't typically do a ton of scouting in the summer anyways i kind of just rely on my cell cams for that so um but when you're doing your trail or your uh, tree stand stuff and food plots yeah it's i got some stands way down in the bottom and i don't ever go there and tell the rut because it's just a pain to get down there and you're gonna have to stay down there all day because climbing that it takes you have to stop about three four times to take your catch your breath <laughs>
2: speaking of food plots what kind of stuff do you do what kind of plots do you put in um i don't really dabble in it a whole lot until the last couple years because
1: we've got a lot of egg land where i'm at so there's tons of corns and beans uh corns corn and beans and then um there's some hay fields but it's more grass so i did a little corner piece i actually uh, put uh some clover chicory mix in um you know i did it last year I didn't like how it turned out last year, but then this year it came up and it was just beautiful. So I would say that for anyone who does a clover chick remix, if like at first you're really disappointed in how it looks, just wait till next season. It'll be completely different. You won't have to do anything. But they've been hammering that hard so far this season. Um, Now, I just tried something new. Um, They did some selective logging where I hunt that two years ago and there's a little bit of an opening. So I thought this would be a good spot for maybe like a micro plot or kind of a kill plot. So I, uh, I mowed that down uh, with the weed whacker. because I can't really get anything back there. Then I sprayed it to kill everything. Um, then I turned it up and then uh, sprayed it again. And then I planted it with, that's uh, called uh boss brew from Domain Outdoors. It's just a mix of a whole bunch of fall type plants, radishes, turnips, all that kind of stuff. Um, Specifically a fall blend, and I'm hoping that it's ready, you know, close to rut. So we'll see how it turns out. Um, First time ever trying something like that. Um, I wanted to do two other ones this year, but obviously having uh, newborn twins, uh, that came Decided to come into the world uh, about five weeks early. Uh, kind of put a kibosh on that plan, but um, I was able, happy to get the one in, let's put it that way. So, yeah, if it works out well, I'm ser- certainly going to try it again next year. So
0: We might have to uh, rename this podcast to the the Dad's Drinking Beer Talking About Deer Hunting podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a four-year-old. He's got a eight-month-old. Eight-month-old. And you got I'm twins. Totally- Twin
1: boys uh seven weeks old yesterday. So that's awesome. Um, yeah. Four weeks of their life in the uh NICU down in Rochester, Minnesota. But uh they're rock stars there, so they're home and kicking kicking butt and growing like weeds and and uh, can't wait till they get older so I can start taking them with me. And, I'm, that'd uh, be
0: awesome. You uh, you broke up a little bit there. I think your internet connection might be a little off. What'd you say? You say they have to get, be flown to a hospital?
2: Yeah, the uh,
1: uh, my wife's water broke, and uh, we had the hospital here in Eau Claire is pretty nice hospital, but they don't deliver uh, any babies under thirty four weeks. My wife was like thirty one weeks in two days, so they like, we gotta take you to you know one of three hospitals. And then we chose Rochester just because of proximity and there's know it's one of the best hospitals in the world. And they flew her by helicopter, um, down there. And I tease her cause I'm really big into aviation mm-hmm. and I kind of hope my boys like it too. And so I'm like, well, they just wanted a helicopter ride. So, <laughs> right. yeah, so, they, wanted to it. so they came down this, she flew down there and then, uh, about 36 hours later they, they were born. So,
0: that sounds like a scary situation, buddy.
1: Yeah, you know, it all happened so fast that I don't think I had a whole lot of time to get too scared. Let's put it that way. Just to have a process. Yeah, they it. came out, and they were healthy, and like I said, they, they were expecting that they would be there for six weeks, and they were there for barely four. So yes. we got to bring them home early.
0: But. So, you know, you're talking about getting your boys into a, a hunting and aviation and stuff. How did you get started hunting? Did your dad show you? or how?
1: Yeah. Did you, did you,
0: Gotcha. Yeah, my dad did,
1: um, when I was younger, luckily we were able to hunt on the neighbor's land, uh, before he sold it and which was some good private land. So it was kind of got me into it and I really enjoyed, um, you know, just being out there with him and, and seeing the deer and everything like that. And he always sat with me for the first, you know, probably three, four years that I hunted. Um, you now at the time in Wisconsin, you couldn't hunt until you were 12. Um, so, and there wasn't a youth hunter or anything, but my first buck that I shot with a 44 caliber right, rifle, which is a hand-me-down from my mom's dad, uh, was a little spike buck. So that was pretty exciting. Now these days I look at that and I don't even blink an eye, like get out of here. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so did you guys, you guys did, somewhere, right? <laughs>
0: did you guys have like a hunting camp? Like you were kind of talking no. about
1: there? we don't which is you know i hear a lot of my friends have it and even some of my buddies that have a you know bow hunting they they do a big lease and they have a big camp so i kind of miss out on that part um but i hear a lot of stories about it and i kind of miss it like i'd love to be a part of it but it's okay um you know i just it's just kind of me now my dad kind of gun hunts still but not really um so he just goes and shoots whatever he can because he wants one deer for some venison. So, right. uh, but yeah, my dad got me into it, and uh, and that's kind of took off from there. And like I said, when I uh, tried that bow hunting for the first time, I was that that one fateful October Halloween night. <laughs> <As> rest is <laughs> history. Hooked. Rest is history. Yep. Well, so.
0: actually, it was. It, I, would, I say it was close to Halloween. I don't think it was quite Halloween. Um, how I really fell in b- love with bow hunting. Um, I was sitting on the edge of, uh, alfalfa field with corn standing still behind me. And I saw like 15 deer that morning and I was all jacked up. And, uh, my dad was telling me, keep looking in the corner across from me. It's like 400 yards. or So they keep coming out of that standing corn from the, the, the uh, 80 acres across from that. I'm like, all right, I'll keep an eye on it. Next time I look up and the bachelor group is coming right at me. I mean, we got three bucks that I'd probably – at the time I would have shot all three. Now I'm doing what I do now. I probably only shot one of them. But they were huge. So they come through the field and hop the fence and I didn't get a shot. It was too far. So we went back that evening. I sat on one corner of the field and he sits on the other corner of the field. I said, dude, right where you're sitting is right where they went into this corn right here. We had, back then, we had the walkie-talkies. You know, you push the button and yep. talk yep. to it and then put it back to <laughs> the two sides so yep. it's not loud, you know. And uh, he was over it. He couldn't see the sights on his pen anymore, which I still had some light left. I mean, I, legally, I still had some light left. And yeah. uh, he hit me on that walkie-talkie, and when I looked down to Talking to the walkie-talkie, I looked underneath my stand, and underneath my stand in the standing corn is the one buck that I'm talking about that I would have shot. And He's just eating corn, has no idea I'm there. I definitely didn't have any idea he was there. and He's almost directly underneath me. So I get turned around, get my bow, go to pull back on my bow, and he hits the call button on the walkie-talkies. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. So the deer looks up, and I, and I look up. Down the alfalfa field, he's already out of his stand walking down to me, and that I tried to take a shot. I don't think I hit anything. I never did find the aerial probably because it's about twelve inches deep in the mud, yeah, right? But, <laughs> but I don't think I killed him, but he was a giant, and I just fell in love with bow hunting after that because it was such a yep. challenge to me. You know I wanted to I want to get that big buck with the bow, you know,
1: oh, yeah, and kind of your point with uh, the challenge of bow hunting that's just kind of the other thing that really drew me into the sport is just there's so much more. That goes into it and you know so many people with gun season they go sit in their fancy little shacks that got heat in it and some of them have freaking tvs in it and all that crap like it's just right. it's kind of like it's not even very fun like i re- I always open air stand how i've always hunted so but like the challenge of bow hunting is just the other big thing that draws me to it i mean you have to be you know i don't usually take anything over 40 yards for a shot i practice nice. to 50 but i mean i really don't want to, um, it have to be kind of a perfect scenario to shoot 50. Um, but, and then in with us, with gun season being so late, it always is the first, the week of Thanksgiving. So the rut's over, you know, you just don't get to experience, you know, when they're in during the rut and the activity that they do. So just the whole experience of that too is a, is a huge draw for me, but it's so much more satisfying to shoot a buck with the bow because it takes so much more patience and practice and preparation and everything so um you know taking 300 yard shots across the field when you haven't picked up your rifle all, all year since last gun season ended and then you pick it up and you shoot one i mean it's nice but i mean is it how Brilliant. fulfilling of it? i guess you know yeah so, it's not a challenge at that point. But, and bow, I mean, most bow hunters can tell you the same thing. It's just like it's a year-round thing for to be oh, yeah. for the season. So yeah, I'm uh, even bow hunting turkeys now. <laughs> yeah, that's something I haven't gotten into yet. I will stick with <sighs> the gun. I, the turkey hunting is fun, but man, with a bow, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll give you credit for trying that, but
0: uh, I'm going to keep trying it until I get it done because it's kind of like a bucket list thing for me. I don't have a yeah. full-body turkey mount here in my man cave. I have some fans that I've, I've i've been pretty lucky when it comes to turkey hunting but i want a full body mount of a bird i shot with the bow yeah somewhere would be awesome. in the man cave for sure so like your setups do you guys do lock-ons ladder stands climbers how do you normally approach the season
1: i do lock-ons um being private land uh feel pretty comfortable doing that and uh i just use a. Uh, you know, a little ladder or, um, like three piece climber, or, um, ladder pieces to climb up on. And I usually leave them up actually year round. I'll go check the straps a couple times a year. Um, just cause I have, I think about 10 or 12 stands up right now. So, uh, it's kind of a pain to take them down and put them back up. So I just leave them there. Um, but I have a climber too. Um, that's for, if I'm hunting in a spot, um, you know, one of my permanent stands and the patterns just happen to change and it just gives me a way to quick, you know, the next day or something, get somewhere different. Um, but I don't typically use it, but, um, I do have a climber, no ladder stands yet. Uh, probably will, uh, as my boys get older. So it's something easier for them to get into and sit with me and get a two man, um, but uh, I know a lot of people love ladder stands, but for me, ladder stands just feel more like a gun hunting thing than a bow hunting thing. So, right.
0: yeah, I got I got Alan kind of hooked here on our uh, with the lock-ons and the climbing sticks. It's just so nice to be able to walk in to your setup quiet, get in your setup quiet. You're not banging yeah. your stand on the tree or you know anything like that. And it's just become almost a normal for us to hang double sets now because we want to go
2: in, we want to film, you know. Yeah. And, oh, for sure. And always having somebody there to experience the same thing that you're experiencing. You don't have to tell the story and you get the story from multiple views. Um, yeah. That's always a cool thing. Yeah. Repeating and plus, stories. I like, don't
1: say you're, you're making it up either. <laughs> right, right. Plus,
0: we got it yeah. on video now. So we, yeah. we can't say we yeah. made it up when we, we saw, right. you know, 150 yep. inch deer. We got it on camera now. <laughs> well,
1: I have a last year I won. um, one of those tacticams cams mm-hmm. for your bow uh so i use it as like my stabilizer mm-hmm. and uh i was really looking for, i got a little bit of some video of it just a smaller buck like just rubbing the crap out of some trees and stuff so it was kind of fun but it's like well yeah well now, now hoping this year you know i can i hopefully i get a chance to shoot one and catch it on video i got my oh, turtle cool. on video this year so that way too no one can tell you yeah i don't really believe you you know
0: Right. And, you know, we talked about the, the challenges of archery upon itself. When you're self-filming with a with your bow, that's even harder. I mean, it's probably one of the hardest things I've ever done, got had to do. I mean, you guys saw the video from me shooting the one in Wisconsin. Obviously, you can hear me shoot it, but at that point, I gave up on it because it, yeah. he came in a totally different direction than what I had planned out in my head, and I couldn't actually even turn the camera arm anymore. He was directly behind me. And I had to turn all the way around to one side to shoot him. So I was like, yeah, I don't care about that camera right now. Yeah. I'm smoking this oh, boy. You know? But
1: For I sure, wish I, I could have
0: had film. somebody with me filming it, you know.
1: Right. And especially on a special trip like that, I mean, you can't really pass up the opportunity just to try to get it on film as much as you want to. But, yeah, it's the heat of the moment. It's it's you make your choice and should always be to get that shot versus the, the camera shot put it that way
0: (laughs) so you said your 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 spring and your summer scouting are basically just your trail cameras your your uh your cell links or whatever
1: yeah so i uh i tend to leave most of my cameras out year round um sometimes i'll take them out in like january and put them back out in march because i feel like end of march into april it helps with turkey scouting too Mm -hmm. um but i just leave them up to check and then i always when i go shed hunting in the spring I always walk the whole property and kind of look for other deer signs stuff I might've missed, whatever. Um, summertime, I don't do a whole lot. Everything just grows up so much. It's just so hard to check anything. Uh, trails are kind of hard to see. Um, so I just kind of put my trail cams on spots that, you know, more for spots that I think that are going to be good for the hunting season versus like a summer spot because I get plenty of deer on them. So I don't really change it a whole lot, but, um, I know there's a lot of people that do a lot of summer scouting, and to me, I'd rather just stay as much out of the woods as possible. Right. And uh, that's the beauty of the cell camps—is uh, you don't know, gotta go change cars. I gotta change batteries in mine probably once or twi- at the most twice a year, and usually it's once a summer. So I feel pretty good about you know going in there once a year. So.
0: Right. What's your what's the, what's the hit list looking like right now? How many? How, what's the number up to?
1: Ah, uh, there is at least five right now. Um, of course, this would be one of our best years for crops of shooter bucks when I have my boys. So I, my hunting will probably be a little bit less this year, uh, than normal versus going whenever I want to. Um, but it's up to about five. Um, I sent you one trail cam video of the top two together. Um, and if I shot either of those, it would be far and away the biggest bucks I've ever shot. Um. You know, name one of them splits. He's pretty wide. I don't know, Brett. If you can remember, maybe he's probably over twenty inch spread.
0: I'll put. I'll, I'll edit the, the video of them walking through the woods here on yeah. on the YouTube uh, side. of things. Sorry, yeah. If you're only on got, audio. You don't get the good stuff.
1: Yeah, and he's got uh, split brow tines too. So um, he's definitely unique. Uh, kind of one of my top things, other than a drop tine buck, which I've never seen on the property, and in laws have said they've never seen one either. So. Um, and then the other one, uh, is just very tall and he's decent wide width too, but nowhere near splits. Uh, his name is fat Albert. Um, my wife decided that they were going to be, uh, aircraft, uh, names this year. Um, so fat Albert, uh, from the blue angels, uh, is the name for him. The other three that I'm interested in, I haven't named yet. I usually let my wife name them, but, uh, I'm so focused on those two right now and, don't really care <laughs> <laughs> right so that's, i haven't that's kind of how we,
0: we are right now with uh we got one certain buck he's he's escaped us for yeah. way too long he's just huge he is one of the biggest bodied deer i've ever seen in my life even yeah. coming you know from wisconsin i mean i've seen the big bodies there when i was there this thing looks like a horse with a set of antlers we nicknamed him Mike Tyson because he's just got that big body. He just come in. We had pictures of him, I think, on, like, the 2nd of November last year, and he come walking in there like he was just getting ready to take the whole tree out. You know, it's a 12-foot-in-diameter yep. tree, and he's trying <laughs> to take it out, you know. yeah. And uh, other than that, uh, we had a few pop up here recently uh, on the spy points in uh, Shelby County, which is uh, one of Ryan's farms, and uh, we nicknamed uh, him uh, Muley Buck he has a, a G two. It lo- looks like a mule deer. It don't even look like a white tail there. Sure. And then we got one, uh, the white eight, he's an eight pointer and he's probably six to 10 inches outside his ears on both sides. He's just super <sighs> wide. Man. Yeah. I hope he's going to be thick, but you know how it is with uh velvet picks. It always comes. Yeah. A little bit. Oh,
1: it always kind of a little deceiving, but I mean, you can kind of get a pretty good idea of what they look like. And, uh, yeah. And then kind of funny story is, um, the Fat Albert Buck. I had him on camera two years ago. He was one that I really liked, um, and he had a split. He had a split G two on his. Uh, I believe it's his left side. And uh, I went hunting after work one day, uh, two two seasons ago, and I was walking to my stand, and I got about fifty yards from my stand and realized I forgot my release. <laughs> so I turn around kind of like uh, I've never practiced without my release. So I'm like, you know, I'm not going to go and chance that. Right. I mess that so up. I'm walking back. I kind of like speed walking back to my truck and like, you know, cussing myself out. Like, how can you do that? Like I, I usually keep it in my pockets of uh, my pants so I don't forget it. Well, I, for whatever reason, I wore different pants that day. <laughs> so <laughs> So I, gra- I get to my truck, I grab it, I'm walking back to my stand, and I look into the field, it's Beans, and I see that buck crossing the field, and he went right by my stand. <laughs> um, so if I was in my stand when I was supposed to have been, I could have shot him. So uh, I think it would be kind of fun if this year I happened to get him. Uh, his uh, his, luck will, his luck will end. After uh, two years, but uh, we'll see. It's uh, early, and uh, you know how they get when it gets a little later in the season. Um, I'm feeling pretty good though, because most of our the big bucks I've got were pretty non-existent up until just the last couple of weeks. So I'm thinking maybe their patterns are changing a little bit, and they should stick around. Um, but yeah, that'd be kind of a. It's just another one of those things that you just. One of those stories that tell you you know, yeah, you, you make mistakes. Oh, Dumb, We make uh, them
0: all the time. And that's, yep. you know, one of the, the coolest parts of when we video and we do uh, edit everything and put it on YouTube and stuff. I, I want to show you how I messed up. I want to show you how I succeeded. So yep. like in Turkey season, when I missed the, the bird in uh, Missouri, <laughs> I was heartbroken because I missed the bird and it was my last day there. But I'm going to show you where I'm going to screw up. I'm a regular guy. I ain't nobody. Yep. I'm just showing, I just want to show you my adventures along the way is all we want to do. You know, we're just having fun with it. You know, I've had people ask me at work. They don't quite understand it. Most of them are for the, from the city, you know, and they're like, well, you trying to have your own hunting show? I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm not trying to have my own hunting show. I'm just having fun with the passion side of, you know, this is why we do this, youtube and podcasts and you know social media we it's all out of passion we're just having fun with it we ain't oh, trying to be nobody famous you know what i mean 100
1: percent. and like we talked before like this is just fun because we're just average hunters you know we're regular guys we're we're you know and for lack of a better word we're nobody's in the hunting <laughs> world but we're just like most people who are probably going to listen to this
2: is just your yeah. average
1: but so it's relatable Right. So, just trying why. to connect with people. Yeah. You know, and get that their I,
2: story and their point of view from, you know, all around the world. That's kind of exactly. cool. Exactly. And, like, to me, I
1: don't like to watch any hunting shows because, to me, they just feel so scripted and canned. Staged, a lot
0: of it them. is. And, I and still they like just, watching it. But
1: <laughs> yeah. And they, you know, and they always tend to seem like they're kind of talking down to you, like you don't know what you're mm-hmm. doing. And yeah. I certainly am not someone that sit here and say, I know what I'm doing. Cause I'm always constantly learning and I've got a good friend of mine who I ask a lot of questions to, who's been hunting forever. So, I mean, I'm not afraid to give like advice, but I always tell that little disclaimer, like I haven't been doing this for very long. So if it doesn't work, don't blame me.
0: (laughs) You know, that's another reason I wanted to have you on, you know, you're a regular guy just like me and I wanted to pick your brain. You're from a different part of the country that, Maybe not do it the same way as they do it somewhere else. You know, I right. like to get those different kind of type of views, and, and that kind of leads me into my next question: uh, Is there anywhere that kind of got a bucket list or a state you want to visit and just try, try a new state out?
1: Um, you know, I've I've thought about it sometimes, and you know, I've, I'm so it's hard because I'm so fortunate to hunt where I'm at. And I have a lot of very large bucks where I'm at so it's difficult to ever want to leave when I know that I have you know for lack of better words you know kind of world-class bucks where I'm at so it's hard to want to go somewhere but there are a lot of places um I know Indiana and Ohio are really starting to kind of blow up as, as places I have are known for large bucks so I certainly wouldn't uh you know decline or request to go hunt there uh iowa uh kansas um maybe other ones that i would think about um i think though before i would maybe get too hard into it as i might want to go to colorado for an elk hunt just oh, to, yeah. to uh experience that i got some buddies that have been really trying to push me to do that and uh i think i might try to do that trip first before i try going anywhere else for whitetails when i know i'm in my back well not really my backyard i gotta travel an hour but you know my neck of the woods i've already got what i'm looking for so it seems kind of silly to go chasing after bucks when i got same or maybe even bigger ones where i can hunt already so right. but uh well, but yeah awesome. dad, you send that invite and i'm pretty sure i'm, I'm not going to decline so
0: hey, if, if just like uh, i told uh brian from uh, buck tags unlimited he's a guy we met through social media like you and yep. i'm actually going down there to kentucky and doing some filming for him and he's going to let me hunt his place and all that kind of thing. It's a, whenever you want to trade hunts, buddy, I'm, I will set you up on an Indiana bruiser. Like you never seen, I mean, oh, yeah. I'm sure you've seen
1: one before. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's tougher for me. Cause, uh, my, it's my father-in-law's land and he's pretty, well, pretty tight about it. Yeah. You know. uh, no, I think he would open up the idea of at least letting me come on there to uh, film and stuff. Oh, so that would
0: I, that would be uh, legendary. Show him the yeah. podcast and show him I'm just yeah a cool regular beer drinking guy like he yeah. is. Yeah,
1: oh yeah. No, he's a pretty cool guy. So I think he would probably be more open to that uh, kind of thing. So um, we could even has,
0: do something like uh, I could come up and you know we could go hit a public spot somewhere, go deep somewhere, and just kind of oh, hang yeah. out and see what happens. You never know what's going to happen. You know. Yep. Right?
1: There's some. Public land close to where I hunt at that has – actually, what's kind of fun about it is it's on the Mississippi River. And to get to this public spot, you have to take a boat. <laughs> oh, so that would be kind of a fun little uh, video, take a flat-bottom boat, cross the boat landing across the river uh, to the island. But, I mean, there's some big bucks in there for sure. It gets crazy during gun season from what I hear. But for boat hunting, I think we could probably make
2: it work. I think we might
0: just have to make this half. Yeah. No, I figured
2: That'd be fun. Bring oh. him down for a Indiana hunt and yeah, go up there and
0: you know what's uh what's too late as far as like deer hunting. When does your deer hunting stop? When you're when are you over it? If you're over
1: it, if you for, for me personally, or
0: yeah, just for you, like, or is there a certain point of the season that no. you stop, or is it just I go until I get mine?
1: I, you know, after basically up until, you know, gun season, which ends usually the last, just before November ends, um, I'll do a little bit of late season bow hunting, but I don't do a whole lot because by then it gets really cold. <laughs> oh, I can't. <laughs> well, it's remember. a little harder to sit in there. And then, you know, it depends on how many, what the crop situation is like. If we got some standing beans or anything left, mm-hmm. uh, corn or something. You know, and I don't have a whole lot of field edge stands just because they're not usually ideal for the rut. So um, I don't do a lot of late season, but I will. Um, In the county I'm at, we can actually hunt through the end of uh, January. So I have that option, but uh, I've never hunted January ever. So
0: We have a a muzzleloader that comes in, what, the first week in December, Mm -hmm. I believe. And then it goes for two weeks and then we get bow hunting until like January 3rd, 3rd or 2nd or 3rd, whatever that weekend it falls on. And yep. uh, here in the last few years, we did a little bit of duck hunting too. So we, when that muzzleloader, late muzzleloader kind of came in, it's just like you're talking, it's freezing cold outside. You can't hardly sit still anyways. But So, so we just started chasing ducks a little bit, which it wasn't that great last year. So I kind of hopped back in the stand with the muzzleloader. I actually got a new muzzleloader last year and wanted to throw a little bit of lead, but never really panned out for me. I haven't shot a deer with my muzzleloader probably since like 2013 or something. It's been a while since I've actually had to whip the smoke pole out to shoot something.
1: Yeah. Our muzzleloader season starts right after gun season. So it's about the first week of December as well. Uh, Last 10 days. Um, So I'm usually um, very picky about what bucks I would shoot with rifle because I would know that I have potentially I could go muzzleloader. Um, so I'm kind of wondering, too, if, you know, maybe with that little kill plot I had this year, which should still be pretty good into, you know, late, late season like that, that maybe with the, with the little smoke pole, uh, it might be a good spot. So we'll see. Like I said, lots to learn with this food plot thing. I've never really tried anything like this before, but a muzzleloader kill would be awesome, too. So right. We get lucky
0: with our with our muzzleloader because of all the ag fields that we do have so if you have mm-hmm. corn you know they're hitting those fields hard trying to pack yep. that weight back on after running it all off and during the rut and chasing around and all that but uh corn is such a big thing here like if if you have a corn field they're gonna eat every last drop in that thing until it's gone they're gonna move on to the next one yep and they get big herded up around here during during that time. So you'll you might yeah. see 30, 30 deer in one herd just running around. Yeah,
1: that uh, kind of attests to your herding up. thing. Like one of the first win- the first winter I had met my now wife, we were going to her folks' place. Um, I think it was sometime in January. For they do a family birthdays every couple months, and uh, whereas in the in the valley there was uh like I told her pulled over and there was 78 deer herded up in a cornfield. (laughs) So so, uh, that was another point. Like, you know, Oh my God, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not hunting this more, you know? um, But yeah, no, it's uh, I should do more late season, but boy, it's certainly a lot harder to get out there when it's that cold. Oh
2: yeah.
1: Um, You know, I do invest in some of the higher end clothing because for me, it's so hard when it's cold like that to pull, draw your bow back when you kind of have your average stuff. Um, the buck behind me I shot, I didn't really have good stuff. And it was 30, 30 degrees that day, and I could barely pull my bow back um, when he came through. So that was almost kind of like a little bit of an eye-opener. Like I need to get something that keeps me warm but a little lighter. Um, so, But even then, there's only so much you can do. It's not, it, you have to layer up so much when it's so cold, so, but a lot tougher when you have to draw a bow back, right. and, uh, when it's zero or worse and throwing some wind chill on top of it, so. You know, you're talking about
0: uh, your gear and stuff a little bit. Are you a, a scent guy? Are you, you you super into scent control, or is it something you just wing and say, hey, an Indian did it with a, a leaf over him, you know, I can do it with a pair of camo coveralls on
1: no, I'm actually really, really into the scent control thing. Um I always either shower with uh, no scent before I go out. Um if I go after work, um I have these no scent wipes. Yeah, you're a cat. And then I uh that I wipe myself down with. Um I do the ozone control with all of my gear too. Um so I'm super crazy about it and i do i even have the plug-in one in your car or my truck they kind nah. of always in your truck nah, so yeah. uh you know some of my in-laws make fun of me over it like i will never change into my hunting gear inside the house i always go outside i don't care if it's zero degrees i would always change in outside yep. so but it's just something that i've been taught and learned through other bow hunters that i mean if there's anything to key on it's scent control because they smell you once and they might never come back so and i, uh, I kind of
0: got him kind of got him uh doing it a little bit i'm a i'm a nazi when it comes to that stuff him <laughs> and ryan both look at me like i'm an idiot when we're getting out of the truck i got you know my scent lock bag inside another bag with you know make sure you hit the the foam the foam when we get up in the stand and the wipes and hold on let me spray you off real quick before we take this walk you know kind of thing
1: yeah no and but you know what though like it's so important you, you just, it, it's like I said before, it's just one of those things that you can't take for granted or take lightly. Yeah, don't both. overlook that. No, no. And then, you know, you know, to kind of point, I do the same for gun season, although it's maybe not as important because you're generally not getting as close. But, you know, my people that I hunt with, they don't really care about scent control, but I generally see way more deer than them too so I has got him at some point, so, um, you know, they make fun of me, but, you know how crazy I get about it, but.
0: Yeah, I, I get made fun of quite a bit, Our, uh, my uh, neighbor, Adam, he hunts with a little bit, that's, I took his, uh, one of his boys last year on the youth hunt, was, which I got my first kill on camera, but he makes fun of me all the time, he's like, man, I don't mess with none of that, and he, he's got a wall that's more impressive than mine, but, I am super into the scent. I'm like you, I got the ozone and all that kind of stuff. And I even have the, uh, my scent lock suit is a carbon, you know, throw it in the dryer to activate it
1: and all that. Yep. So do you have a, do you ozone in the tree too, or do you just ozone before you go out there?
0: A guy that I used to deer hunt a little bit with, probably not too much anymore, but, uh, he had the Ozonics and, you know, I've done some research on those. I would love to have one. Um, I'm not going to pay that much money for one, No, And, um, you know, if if we're particular on our scent like we have been, I I don't see it even being a problem unless it it comes to, like, you know, high pressure, low pressure, where our thermals are hitting the ground kind of thing. But uh, I think if, you know, if we just spray off good, wash our clothes, that kind of thing, I think we'll be okay, you know, as long as we're not, you know pumping our gas and our hunting clothes i mean the only time my hunting clothes even come out of my bag is when i'm putting them on to go inside the woods you know wow
1: yep i'm the same way and then you know the uh my under or my base layers i will typically ozone we uh after and then generally even before every hunt um some of the outer layers not so much because i know like they can be hard on say if you have any elastic um the ozone can be pretty tough on it but um yeah, I, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's a kind of, it's crazy how obsessed you get with the scent control stuff. Absolutely, and just, like,
0: in an in instance of hunting with him, and when me and him first started really bow hunting together, you can ask him, it was like a flip switch from the deer that he had saw to when we started doing more scent control, the number of deer we saw doubled. You know, I just felt like we could play, obviously we play the wind as much as possible. Right. but it, Maybe there's an instance where it's like, dude, we have to get in the stand today. You know, the, the wind may not be the greatest thing in our favor today, but let's go ahead and hunt it anyway. We saw him there yesterday or the day before. Let's try to move in on him, you know, and sometimes it works out for us.
1: Oh yeah. And that's kind of another reason why I do it too. I mean, you know, people can say, well, I still see a lot of deer and I don't really care, but it's like, how, you don't know how many you're missing because this you're smelling, you're never going to see them anyways. Right. Um, yeah. But to your point too, like I'm so confident in my scent control that if the wind isn't right, but I think I know where he's going to be, I'm going to sit in that stand anyways. I know some people will say that that's crazy because I know you can't completely eliminate your scent, but if you're super diligent on it, I, I don't mind taking that risk, and especially, you know, during the rut and stuff, we just, it just gives you a little bit of confidence, or if you want to call it that, that, um, you know, you just keep your your scent in, under control and you can kind of sit wherever you want. Um, you know, Like you said, try to play the wind, but sometimes you just – got to be really aggressive and sometimes it pays off. So you can never do it without scent control. Let's put it that way.
0: No, I, I think that's <laughs> – I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. I mean, I've been in situations before where – you know, I wanted to hunt a stand so bad, but, you know, like the, the, the stand we're talking about where he shot that one and we, we couldn't find it. Uh, we love a, a north wind out of that stand. It blows it back towards the truck, back where we're not really expecting to see anything anyways. And, and to lay this property out for you, it's not that big. It's what, 55 acres? Probably so something like that. 55 acres, I think, is what it is. And the best place to hunt in this property is a place we call the bottom so you have to go basically through the whole entire property because it's kind of narrow down across the creek into this bottom and it's money it's it's really nice down there but they're we, coming through there we don't like hunting it because we don't like to walk the whole freaking property into the back of it because we're right. pushing everything that we want to hunt that we we know where they're bed for the most part anyways but right. we don't want to push those deer out because we we're trying to catch them in transition of where we're set up. We're set up in a corner of an ag field, and it's just Hayfield. a little hay, yeah, hay field, and and one side's either corn or beans. I believe it's beans this year. yeah. And it's just a transition. They go through this little pinch point in and out of the field, and we're right there where we need to be. We're 200 yards from a bed and basically right on top of their food source. But it's just a, a – when we f- first put the stand in, I was told – you're not going to kill anything. What are you sitting right there for? You need to go to the bottom. I'm like, dude, I've been hunting this place for a long time. I know where I need to be. We've shot three deer out of 130 inches out of this stand. Well, the first
2: year we listened to everybody and we, we just sat where the stand was and left it. And then we started seeing a lot of them move through this one corner. And I was like, Brett, we need to put some stands over there. And he was like, ah, let's be patient. And we waited it out or whatever. And it just kept seeming like they were just coming there. So finally he was like, let's do it. Let's put a stand there. So we went and got some stands and threw them up there and we've had nothing but success from that set. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And they kind of talk about that because I'm I'm sure you guys experience too. And I'm sure every, we'll say for sure every average hunter does is you tend to overthink things. Um, you know, what stand do I need to sit in? What should I sit in? You get so focused on it and it's like, try to be patient and, uh, it's just so hard sometimes because you just don't know when there's so many variables and you always second guess yourself. And that's the only one downfall of the uh, cell cams is it'll definitely tell you if you sat in the wrong stand that oh, day, yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, which is okay. I mean, it, it's part of hunting. I, I don't yeah, get, oh, yeah. I don't get bothered by it. It's just, it's just like, you know, it, it, I mean, honestly you can, you can do everything in the book like this is this is the wind this is the weather this is the stand you're going to be in and then they show up at the stand that makes no sense whatsoever the winds at their back or something like that and it's you know for the bluffs where i hunt that too it's always hard because that wind just swirls all the time so um you know you can sit in a spot and the wind's there but you'll never feel it from that direction it come from behind you and you're like well what the heck this is just it's a totally different animal with that too, but um, I'm sure you guys get it too, where you just feel like you overthink so hard.
2: Uh, oh yeah.
1: It's, you try to tell yourself to simplify it, but it's so hard to do that too.
2: Cause you just got to go have fun with it. You can't, you can't yeah. think about it too
0: much. I think about it too much. I'm the guy yeah. who thinks about it. I'm the one laying in bed at one o'clock in the morning, wide awake, because all I can think about is this deer on my camera that I had two days
1: ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm losing
0: yeah. sleep over these guys.
1: Yeah. Well, that, that uh, buck, video i sent you with those two big ones that night i definitely had some dreams about shooting one of those that night so well yeah buck fever is a real thing so oh
0: yeah uh, you know and you're, and you're chasing big mature bucks like we are do you get caught up in uh, the score kind of thing or do you care about a score i know some people don't even care about it is it something that you're like going after or like is it something that matters to you
1: um not so much score um to me because I've never scored a deer in my life. Um, I don't, I mean, I, I don't want to say I don't know how to, but, um, you okay. know, obviously my goal is to kind of shoot something bigger than I shot before. Um, now I understand at some point I'm probably going to hit a peak, right? right. If I shot one of those two on that video, it's pretty hard to ever beat that. Um, but it's kind of funny how, you you know, when you, as you shoot bucks or you see some of these bigger ones that, what you would think was a giant that you're not used to seeing, a two and a half year old buck, is now like an easy pass. Right. Um, so I don't get usually caught up in score too much. Um, it's nice, but you know, to me, that just by targeting the mature bucks is just good management. Because um, for me, I, I like to have a good crop of young bucks because then I know years coming up that um, you got something to, I have lots- to. Exactly. So. I was just making a comment the other day that I felt like I hadn't been seeing a lot of young bucks on camera, which I like to see. But then, of course, after I say that all week long, I've had a whole bunch of <laughs> little guys, so which is good. I love to see it because you just – and those are the ones that are kind of more fun to watch in the woods because they, they're dumber, if you want to call it. Really oh, so, yeah. Uh, but, uh, no, I don't get too, too caught up in it. Um, like I said, it's just I kind of – the, with the trail cams it's a love hate thing but you kind of get your your uh, goal set on you know 3 to 5 whatever however many you got and you just kind of stick to that obviously you know bucks move on and off the property so you keep your your eyes open but and it's tough to pass on some of them sometimes because they're nice bucks but you know if you let them go for one more year they'll be they'll be true giants so
0: right and it also you know you have to almost learn to manage it a little bit because you can shoot a buck during bow season and a buck during gun season compared to us yep. where we get one year all, all, year long. It don't matter what we shoot it with. And we only get one. Yep. It makes it a little easier to, to manage those bucks Cause you could be chasing, you know, two, like you said, you could shoot one with your bow and one with your gun and that'd be a hell of a season. <laughs>
1: oh yeah. I mean, it's, I hope some, some year it happens like that. That'd be, that'd be awesome. Um, that's kind of a tall task to shoot, you know, two mature bucks in a year um, you know, some people do it, but, uh, I'd be happy with one. And if I had a pick, obviously it'd be with a bow. Um, oh, yeah. there's a lot more with it. Um, and there are a lot of people, you know, the neighbors and, and stuff, they do practice pretty good management. Um, but they will shoot and even our, my own family members will shoot two and a half year old. So I kind of feel like too, if I'm not shooting them then, and if they shoot it, then it's kind of like, you know, well, I'm not taking an extra one out, um, that's going to hinder me for years to come. So um, you know, honestly, with the number of deer that were on the property I hunt at, I could probably be done within the first week of bow season, if I wanted to, if I just wanted to fill the tag with a small buck. But yeah. that's the beauty of, of, uh, bow hunting is you now some people will give you crap for being, you know, horn yeah, hunters yeah. or whatever, Yeah. But it's like, that's just how I am for bow season. Uh, gun season is my meat time. That's when <laughs> yeah. I will shoot the does and I still won't shoot a young buck myself, but, uh does i'll shoot all day long in the during gun season that's the venison time but uh bow hunting for me is that's when i'm looking for the the wall hanger so it becomes a crazy obsession but
2: man it's fun oh you know
0: and you talk about shooting does with uh during gun season is kind of your meat time Mm -hmm. i don't know what's gotten into our head or if it's something that we've grown accustomed to doing we really like taking does with our bows like right off the bat, like the first yep. week or second week, October. That way our meat's done. We ain't got to worry about meat no more. And we're chasing, chasing the big boys. You know what I mean?
1: Yep. Yeah. I, have uh, I've kind of contemplated doing that. Um, more after two seasons ago, there was a really terrible weather season for gun season. So we all share the venison through the four families. Um, I mean, I got three deer, we usually try to get five or six because uh, the weather was so bad. Um, so that kind of made me think, well, maybe I should shoot, you know, a doe beforehand. So I know I got venison. Well, then, but most years we shoot more than enough. You know, we kind of stop because it's like, well, we have more than enough. You can go out and if you wait to see a big buck. But usually after opening weekend for us, the big bucks, they hear them gunshots or something and they just know. I ain't doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, not <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, if it's a, if it's a lean year from the gun season before I might interest, you know, think about shooting does um, cause we do eat a lot of venison here. So, and I might, that m- mindset might change a little bit too, as my boys get older and, and uh, you know, they let, hopefully they like venison. They want to eat it more. So we'll need a little bit more. And if I shoot one myself with a bow. I don't really have to share it so <laughs> there you, <laughs> you go you guys, uh, process
0: your own deer or do you take yeah. them somewhere
1: to get done yep yeah, we process all our own uh my brother-in-law actually works for uh meat locker oh, so, so um uh we always trim it up and then he just brings it to work and whenever i get a chance they turn it into you know we ground grind up the ground venison we do ourselves but we get stuff made into hot dogs and brats and um let's see don't really ever do any sticks which we kind of should snack sticks
2: or whatever but oh, yeah. like a summer sausage and it's, mm-hmm. oh, it's so yeah, good. It's good oh
0: yeah we do those too there uh we do what jalapeno cheddar yeah
2: there's a jalapeno cheddar and then a habanero yeah and it's, it's pretty, good. pretty good
0: actually the honey barbecue ones are pretty good too yeah we actually and they're actually pretty good friends of uh, mine and my wife's we actually live not too far from um the meat locker here in town and uh, their boys play on the same uh, baseball team and stuff as my boy does. And they do a really good job of uh, cutting up everything. But he does a lot uh, on his own. I do when I get the time to. Like, I'll go over and we'll hang it up in his garage. And, you know, he's got a saw and all that kind of stuff. But. I
2: actually lucked out and got a nice um, saw and um, grinder combo. It's like, uh, what would you call it? Um
0: well like a t- table saw yeah it, i mean
2: you can literally <laughs> throw the ribs in there and cut your ribs out and yes. i had never had deer ribs but a buddy that is a big hunter and he had told me about it and he was like you have not had it until you've had all of it He was like try the ribs and we <sighs> did and they were awesome they were really good they we were awesome threw some barbecue on them and kind of somewhat smoked them over
0: just a, a, a little fire pit it was fucking good
1: you just throw like a rack, their whole rib rack on when you yeah, make just it. like you like would
0: on one of them you had to cut up you had to yeah. cut up in a, a smaller chunks you know oh, okay. like like a quarter of a rack or
1: whatever sure. that way it just helped but some of them were he, cut up kind of like slam like chops yeah because we usually like cut in between the ribs but oh, yeah, yeah that'd be nice to to try that just kind of leave really it on and cut it out and just yeah, that'd be. That's I so. Are
0: you are you a big cooking guy when it comes to venison? Are you kind of just a simple burger kind of guy, or do you do, like to do roasts and steaks and stuff?
1: Um, I like the little steak medallions, uh, oh, it's yeah. kind of like my favorite. Um, other than that, I just mostly use the ground. Um, personally, um, the hot dogs, venison hot dogs are just to die no, for we've never we had, had that. i don't
0: think i've ever had a venison hot dog yeah, that's something that's i need something to new.
1: try yeah definitely try it if you ever make it up here i can give you a package to try i try oh. to send it to you but i don't really trust that it'll get there
2: without <laughs>
1: yeah. melting or you know completely thawing and being gross by the time um but no they're so good
0: we did bratwurst a couple yeah. times and some of them can be good and it seems like they get dried out really easy but we're we kind of, we cook it up around here. I mean, I'm showing it a little bit. We, uh, we love Sundays, uh, Colts games going on, um, or the race or something like that. We, uh, we usually have like a fish fry and we throw some steaks on the grill and stuff like that, but we've tried all kinds of stuff when it comes to venison. I feel like, I mean, he's even talking about trying to, uh, make a venison cookbook.
2: Oh yeah. Oh, sure. We've seen just a couple of things and different things. We tried, uh, I have a twin brother, as I said, yeah, and, uh he he's been a cook for most of his professional career or whatever. And he was like, what do you want for dinner one night? And I was like, I don't know. He was like, well, we got plenty of deer. And I was like, okay, what do you want to make steak? What? And he was like, I was like, hamburger helper. He said, I'm thinking about making some venison Manhattans. So we tried that and it turned out killer. I mean, it was awesome. And we've just done, you know, the normal stuff tacos yeah. fajitas stuff like that but yeah we just started branching out trying different things and the venison uh i mean manhattans yeah. were oh, yeah those are were it's, awesome it's such a lean meat like it's oh, yeah. it just it's the, one of the
1: best meats for you i was like basically no fat in it and so i mean i would eat venison over anything oh yeah my favorite you know red meat uh to have um you know i love chicken and fish but if i can have venison i'll take it over beef or pork or anything mm-hmm. any day of the week i don't i mean throw it at anything i'll eat venison all the time so
0: we just got in a knack on the on the fish fry thing uh we would go to kroger and he'd get some perch and some people bring over some crappie and we just recently had a, a ton of walleye from a bachelor bachelor trip but uh the fish thing is i don't know it's just really easy you know we're out there got a big table set up watching the game deep frying you know just having a good time you know
1: usually talking about deer hunts. <laughs> yeah well you know in wisconsin fish fries on fridays are a staple oh i'm sure fish fry fish fry fridays with old fashions it's just like a wisconsin oh, tradition sounds good oh so it's uh, anywhere there's a lot of places it's a friday thing it's a fish fry um so yeah we we do it pretty good up here with fish fries and old fashions so, the most
0: wisconsin thing i can describe from being just there a week or whatever i was out there
1: Bushlight in a bottle. Oh, I love Bushlight in, Bush Bush in a bottle. I in no. a bottle. I love Bushlight in a bottle too. I actually, oh, it's the best. I, it's, it is the best. I, I, some of my buddies they make fun of me too because they're like, "Oh, your little bottle snob." I'm like, "Dude, it is way better than it, it is. is." So I try to get bottles all the time, but yeah, now Bushlight bottles, man. All I was all actually
2: a a Miller Light guy for a long time, and too. then um, my best friend as a kid, and it's actually Brett's cousin he met me at the bar one night and was like you want a beer and i was like yeah sure he's like what are you drinking i was like motor light he was like try this and i was like what he's like here's a bush light he's like it's the best beer you'll get he's like it's so refreshing everything man he's got me hooked now i don't i don't even yeah. like drinking it out of a can i want yeah. it out of a bottle if i can and how did I'm
1: how did the light... whenever i go to a place I like they i mean most places in wisconsin have bush light but they don't always have bottles so i'm like right. you got a bush light bottle I'm like yeah i'm like all right i'll have one of those oh
0: so- yeah. how how did bush light become mainstream like that's all I, i've drank since you know obviously i probably drank a few before i was 21 but you know <laughs> since all- i was 21 you know bush light i mean that's my grandpa drinks it my dad drank it i drank it it was just like a family thing people drank bush lights and then all of a sudden you see all these TikToks and you know everything else and it's like the fun thing to do is like, no, nah, I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> uh, if
1: you ask me, it's the best tasting light beer. Oh but, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, hands down. And if, and if, if you guys are like me, you know, you usually don't just have a, a beer for fun. You're, right. you're gonna probably have half dozen or more
0: Absolutely. for a
1: time. So it's, it's oh, a good yeah. beer to drink a bunch of and just taste good. And yeah, I know you need to work on getting a Bush light sponsorship. Yeah, there we right. go.
0: That's I feel like they should
1: because of all the money we've invested in them. Already. <laughs> right. yeah. Send us a case
2: a week. We yeah, went well, to
0: a, a wedding in Arkansas this past summer, one of my wife's friends, and their wedding was sponsored by Light. I was in heaven. I'm like, as much Light as I can drink? All right, don't challenge me because I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. think I beat my personal record. I didn't count but I threw a bunch of cans in a pile so I could count the next morning, and I drank 48 bush lights.
1: Oh, my God. In a day. And, and I, I was functional. You started That's in the amazing. morning. right? I hope you started in the morning. Yeah,
0: it was like a, a 9 or 10 o'clock. It was for a wedding, and we got to swim in their in-ground pool on their big farm and everything, yeah. and then they brought all these bush lights out. I'm like, oh, wow. You just brought like nine cases of bush light out here. <laughs> <laughs> Challenge accepted.
1: Yeah. Well, when we went to... Well, wow, this is probably Jesus is eight years ago now. Me and my buddies we went to Canada uh, fishing, and uh, they had to fly in on a separate flight on the float plane our beer order because of always <laughs> beer way overweight. <laughs> so, Did you go fishing up there? Oh yeah, yeah. Where'd you
0: guys, you guys, what were you fishing for? Walleye, walleye.
1: And it was, I mean, we, um, it was, I mean, I haven't fished for walleye around here ever since because, I mean, it was like fishing for panfish it was unbelievable It was a flying lake so it's no access unless you've got in by airplane and uh the one day between the three guys we caught over 350 walleyes in one day wow um, and we, and we fished about 14 hours and we even had a shore lunch and everything and it was just and it was hardly anything under 15 inches uh, the biggest one i caught was 29 and three quarters so dang wow um, yeah i uh, we definitely want to go back at some point but uh, pretty hard to walleye fish anywhere else. When you go there and you, I mean, at one point I just I was chewing some gum and I threw my gum on the hook and I still <laughs> one with it. So it was, and then but wow. there's big pike, pike in that lake. On eight different occasions, we had pike smack the walleyes as we were reeling them up. Oh shit! Uh, so we caught uh, 44 inch northern was the biggest biggest one we caught. Wow, I've never um, caught
0: anything like that. I never got to fish. But, in a
1: my buddy, who happened to be fishing alone at the time, so I can't confirm the story, but he claims he had a 50-plus-inch northern uh, that he was fighting for a while, which is really rare for a northern to be 50 inches um, up there. I would be, I would believe it, but uh, he's kind of a storyteller, so we're not <laughs> really sure how valid that was. But uh, but yeah, no, that's uh. That's something I want to do again too is is go back to the flying flying lake um and do that but we'll we'll stick to the bow hunting um, <laughs> yeah, the rest right. of show.
0: <laughs> well that's but that's cool buddy we're gonna wind things down here a little bit sure. and uh, uh appreciate you coming on I, I had a blast we'll definitely get you back on see uh, uh something else I probably failed to mention earlier on this podcast, but our podcast you know we're gonna try to journal our hunts as best as we can this year you know and when we get on we want to talk about what we're seeing at the time what's happening to us as it's happening you know what i mean and i would love to have you back on and know how the how things are going up up north there
1: yeah no i'd i'd love to be on anytime i mean i anytime you want me on i love this kind of stuff just to talk hunting we can talk about uh anything bow hunting related you can controversial topics, even whatever you want to talk about. I don't care. I'm, I'm a pretty level-headed guy. So, um, but yeah, no, I'm definitely down with that idea just to kind of check in and see how the season's going and, and, uh, what we've experienced so far and, uh, probably the screw ups we did. And, <laughs> right. and uh, hopefully you know, not
0: the bucks we missed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Hopefully it's
1: not that. No, hopefully not. Hopefully we'll be talking stories about the big one that, uh, you were hopefully I shot, you know? Yeah. Um, but, Oh, I'm gonna. Thanks, I'm gonna have
0: an opportunity here coming up in just a, actually just a few weeks. I'm gonna go down to Kentucky with uh, Brian, and I would be ecstatic to shoot a buck and velvet. I mean, that would be awesome. That would be
1: that would be fun for sure. So, uh, good luck to you on that. Uh, yeah. By all means, I'll be watching to see if you. I'm sure you'll text me if you shoot one, anyway. Oh, yeah. so. I always text. you. Uh, but yeah, no, for sure. So. Yeah, no, if, if you want to do a follow-up just to see uh, season progress, I mean, heck yeah, man. Yeah, that um, sounds, that sounds all uh, stuff.
0: Right, up, right up the alley there. But uh, thanks, everybody, for uh, watching the first episode of our podcast. And we'll have uh, plenty to come. We might even pump two a week out sometimes. And we'll definitely have Jordan back on. But uh, like and subscribe on the YouTube. Uh, you guys can follow us on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Go give uh, Jordan here a follow on Twitter. And uh, thanks for watching, guys.